podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Before we start this match report, we'd just like to say a few words about the tragic death of Nottingham Panthers player Adam Johnson over the weekend. No sports person should die doing the thing that they love. And our thoughts go out to Adam's family, friends, loved ones, to everybody associated with the Nottingham Panthers and to all of those who saw the incident happen in Sheffield on Saturday evening. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we look back on events at Anfield where it finished Liverpool 3, Forest 0 and a disappointing Sunday afternoon for Forest going up to Anfield and, and not really laying a glove on Liverpool throughout the game up until the closing stages and a very good Liverpool team it has to be said they ran out 3-0 winners with goals from Diego Jota, Darwin Nunes and Mohamed Salah. The result means that Forest now have only won one in their last nine. You can put a tough start in there as a caveat but another away defeat to one of the top sides in the division for Forest and as we'll go through this match report, we'll we'll try and make sense of it and, and dig a little deeper into the things that, that went on at Anfield. So Stephen here and I've got Tom with me to look back over the game. So first of all, Tom, we'll look at the Forest team news, which was, I think, a bit of a surprise when we found out that Chris Wood was injured with a hamstring problem and Steve Cooper expects him to be out now for a couple of weeks. A big blow and it it meant that really Forrest had no fit strikers to go into this game with. Uh, Taiwo was on the bench, as we'll come to to talk about, but with no Wood and no Origi, it, it meant that Forrest went into this one without a recognised striker. So it was a 3-5-2 with Turner in goal, back three of Neocarty, Bolly and Murillo. Sergio Rier and Ola Aina as wingbacks with Ola Mangar. Oral Mangala, Ibrahim Sangare, and Nicolas Dominguez in the midfield, and Alanga and Gibbs White as forwards, but kind of floating, attacking midfielders. And I think the plan after Chris Wood was ruled out was just to try and get some mobility up front and, and stretch Liverpool that way. The bench was Odysseus Vlacodimos, Nuno Tavares, Joe Worrell, Nico Williams, Czech Kiate, Tyro Wanyi returning, Andre Santos. Harry Toffolo and Ryan Yates. So two changes from Luton there, Neocarte for Toffolo and Ina for Wood. Tom, what was your reaction to the team news and the news that Chris Wood was ruled out of this game and is now going to be out for a couple of weeks? Well, we was in the pub and when the team news come out at one o'clock and we thought, oh, that's a bit strange because obviously Chris Wood, he played the full game against Luton, I believe. Yes, he did play, uh, play the full game. And I'm not thinking, why isn't he playing obviously it's come across that he's had an injury in training the previous day so I think we've had go into the game and obviously I just didn't think from once the fans heard that I think the belief disappeared in the stadium from the away section and I just think Forest didn't have much belief um, yesterday thinking that they can get something because they just didn't have any focal point um, in the final third and I think um, Alanga was a couple of bright spells, but ultimately he just looked a bit lost out there and 
there wasn't any like real cohesion up front really it's like Gibbs White and Alanga were like quite far away from each other and the ball never stuck so uh, I think yeah Steve Cooper um, yeah, his hands were tied yesterday in terms of um, attacking sense because we're just a one you just know he's not going to be 100% fit having the last few weeks out so yeah from an attacking point of view um, yeah we had nothing yesterday and I think Cooper did want to play a back four for this game, but the injury to Wood meant that he had to change things around and go with a more defensive formation and setup. And yeah, I think you you alluded to it there. We could have chucked Taiwo back in to get a striker up there for the whole 90 minutes, but there's a chance he could have broken down so soon after coming back. So yeah, a tough, a tough start before the game even began for Forrest and for Steve Cooper. And the game played out much in the way of Forrest sitting deep and and trying to make life difficult for Liverpool. And Liverpool did have more of the ball. They had more of the play and were very much on the attack. It was, in a sense, Liverpool were getting in behind Forrest. He had a chance with Darwin Nunes that Matt Turner saved at his near post. But it was half an hour in when the the breakthrough came for Liverpool and it was when Murillo, who I think was inspired by his run at Palace a few weeks ago, tried it again, trying to dribble through the Liverpool midfield as he carried the ball out of defence. He was dispossessed by Alexis McAllister. At this point, Liverpool were outnumbering Forrest 3-2 to two, and Darwin Nunes, his shot was parried by Turner to Diego Jota, who yet again scored against Forest. It was a simple tapping for him, but what do you think of this goal, Tom? Is is that one on Murillo? Um, yeah, it's, it's like a positive mistake, as Steve Cooper likes to say, like players like trying something and being positive with it and ultimately just got caught um, in the middle of the field and then Liverpool with their pace with Salah, Nunes, um, etc. They, they just broke um, straight through us and there's nobody in the midfield to, because obviously Murillo stepped up then obviously the midfield, so they didn't get back in time in terms of either Dominguez, Mangala or Sangari. Um, so we just got cut open and um, yeah, it was just inevitable. As soon as that happened, um, then Liverpool are just going to um, pick at our defence, aren't they? And I mean, Turner made a decent initial save, but yeah, who's there and it's um Yotta, isn't it? Who's tapped it in on that one? Yeah. So yeah, it was I thought Forest were I won't say comfortable at, um in the first half an hour, but yeah, Liverpool were like they were keeping them at like arm's length as much as they can. But yeah, as soon as that happened, it was just a sense of inevitability that the second goal was ultimately gonna come with how Liverpool were playing. And I mean last year, I mean Liverpool um, by their standards were below par and when we played them we really did trouble them but now they've got Dominic Slobosly in the midfield and Alexis McAllister who won the World Cup with Argentina Salah's on decent form Yotta's decent Nunes has had a season under his belt now so yeah I think um, yeah Liverpool are back to their as best as they can be and I think ultimately the midfielders struggled yesterday I just didn't think yeah they got a foothold in the game and yes, that Dominic Slobosly, he is some player and um, in when you see it in front of your own eyes, Forrest just didn't have an answer to their midfield yesterday. And that was a key theme, wasn't it, throughout the game that Forrest struggled to hold on to the ball. Every time they had it, 
it was being played forward and whether it was Gibbs White, whether it was Dominguez, whoever it was, they just couldn't hold on to it. And Liverpool were, were quickly regaining possession and it was just turning into more and more pressure coming back at Forest consistently. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think... With Gibbs White, I mean, I know he's he played a lot of football last year and then he went to... Um, was it the Euros or the World Cup with um, England, um, etc.? So obviously he hasn't had much of a pre-season, but since he's come back, he he's just making things hard for himself rather than just concentrating on the basics. He, he's just trying to that bit too much and try. I don't know if it's the fact that he's been pushed out wide and he's not seeing much of the ball and he's trying different things just to be that creative spot. But when you're predominantly right-footed and you've got the chance to put in a cross, then you shift it onto your left foot and that cross doesn't come in we lost the ball and then the second goal comes and I just think Gibbs White he's like he he you know he doesn't need me or anybody else to tell him that he hasn't hit the heights of last season but he's just trying that bit too hard or that touch too many or playing the wrong pass and and I just think he's making things hard for himself and I think that's being highlighted uh, now with the turnover in play i.e. yesterday where he could have just whipped it in and he didn't and then obviously we've lost the ball and then they've scored the second goal with uh, Darwin Nunes yeah, and it was similar to the first, wasn't it? In that it was a break uh, after Forrest had lost possession, break forward from Liverpool with Slobozai and Salah combining down the right-hand side. And yeah, the it was Slobozai who got, got to the byline, fired it across, and Nunes had a, a tap-in pretty much in front of goal. And yeah, 2-0 at that point, and you, you sort of knew... Really, the game was getting away from Forrest at this stage. And even then, after that, Liverpool were still coming forward and Turner had to make a couple of saves from Gravenberg and Slobberslie before the break. And yeah, it, the game was only going one way at this point, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a pretty much a damage limitation exercise. And I just turned around to the people who were sitting um, with us and I just thought, um, Forrest going to get hurt. Um, and I think... I think if it was a, a Man City or somebody like that, I think they would have, like, I know it was 3 0 in the end of, and all of that, but they, they would have got a third and a fourth possibly before half time. Mm. And it just turned into a training match then for Liverpool. I mean, Van Dyke and even Canate just didn't break sweat. We just didn't threaten them, didn't lay a glove on them. And I, you can just see that on the pitch, the belief was just dwindling bit by bit. And that transpired in the away section. and I don't. I don't want to like go over the old adage of like um, with the away tickets and this and the um, and the makeup of the away section, etc. Because if people want to get a ticket and they can get a ticket, they will go to these matches. But I think the atmosphere in the away section yesterday was the worst it's been in the last year or so. Been in the Premier League, it absolutely flat. Um, apart from Mullican tie, which is obviously happens at the start of the match and start of half time. Absolutely nothing from Forest fans yesterday. And I mean, I've probably got to hold my hands up and say um, that I, I didn't really sing because there was nothing to sing about. But yeah, this, but I think it always has to start on the pitch. If if it's like a crunching uh, challenge or a decision or nothing off the pitch transpired onto the um, into the away section and it was flat yesterday. And it's quite telling, isn't it? When there's what, 54,000 at Anfield and you can hear Matt Turner say a shout to Serge like man on or something like that clear as a bell you know the atmosphere isn't great and 
people have been saying over the last day or so about the Anfield atmosphere and no disrespect, but Liverpool for the older generations did have a rivalry with us in the 70s and 80s when we knocked them off their perch. So their fans can be forgiven for not like getting up for this game kind of thing compared to say if they were playing like Man United because obviously the history with the Manchester Ship Canal and all of that. But um, but yeah, I just think the atmosphere um, home and away, I just think it's been a bit of a damp squid really. Uh, I mean, I know we haven't played any of the big teams at home yet, no disrespect to the teams who we have played, but yeah, the, the atmosphere. I think collectively we've got we've got to do more because obviously that what has got ultimately got us over the line last year with the atmosphere and people in the media were mentioning that. But I just think it's been a bit flat this season, and I don't know whether it's complacency that we're in the Premier League and and this that and the other. And everybody thinks we're going to be a Premier League club in the coming seasons, kind of thing. Which that's the hope, but it's not a given, is it? No. So, um, so yeah. Yesterday, the atmosphere was it was damn squid, really flat, and yeah, nothing to get get us going. But like I says, it's it's got to be a two way street, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And maybe a bit of the novelty of being in the Premier League now is is starting to wear off. But certainly, there, is, I still think there's a responsibility from the fans to to cheer the team on and keep them going. Granted, I I do understand the argument that the players on the pitch have got to give you something to cheer about as well. So let's see with, with Villa at home on the weekend to come, if the atmosphere does certainly return at home and it can make that difference again for Forrest hmm. as the season goes on. So second half then, Forrest carried more of a threat in the in this second period. Um, the big chance came with a move that resulted in Morgan Gibbs-White down the right-hand side. He picks out Nicolas Dominguez in the middle of the penalty area, but he completely misses his kick and the chance goes begging. And yeah, you you look at that and you think Dominguez, a player of his quality, not even connecting with the ball in that situation, it's poor really. And he's got to get a shot on target at least. Yeah, you just, I don't know whether, whether I'm like being a bit too kind to him that the ball come in too quickly and he just didn't get his feet sorted. But it's one of those chances what you'd love to have at any level, wouldn't you? And especially uh, in front of the cop, if you put put that one away, it's two one, and you just never know. But yeah, I think um, the you're not going to have many chances at Liverpool, are you? And no. and I think once you get a chance like that, you've got to pull it away. And ultimately, yeah, we didn't. And yeah, I, I I'm not saying for any minute that we if that was 2-1 and, and say you got another one and would deserve to get in a 2-all I think Liverpool had a couple of more gears um, in them kind of thing but uh, yeah, it would have been nice obviously for Dominguez to score the cop in but yeah you've you got to be finishing um, moves like that if but you're going to have, do anything in a football match especially Liverpool Yeah and one of the criticisms of Forrest in this game is that they didn't do enough to lay a glove on Liverpool and putting a chance like that away when it comes that's, that's part of that and making that the game more competitive, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's annoying that once the third goal goes goes in, which we'll talk about it in a minute, but Forrest then started to play after 84 minutes when the game's done and dusted. And it's like, well, why couldn't you... S- I'm not saying that anybody for any minutes lost the dressing room or this, that and the other, but you'd you'd like to think Forrest could have that like, intensity from the first minute rather than starting to play when you're 2-0 down when the game's like done and dusted and you never know if you had that 
like belief from the start. You know, I know you could have like somehow snatched like a an early goal or something like that, and it could be a completely different game. But like we've said, once the second uh, first goal goes in, the second goal goes in. It's just a damage limitation exercise, and the game's done and dusted. Um, isn't it? So, yeah, Forest have got to start playing from the first minute rather than waiting too far into the game where the game's ultimately gone. One of the criticisms I saw some fans talking about yesterday um, about and certainly about Cooper and Forrest's approach was that, well, I can't understand why Cooper didn't just go for it. And I, I'm going to come back to that and say, well, if we did go for it and play open and expansive at Liverpool and get beat five or six nil, which can easily happen. Mm. Those same people would then be criticizing Cooper for being tactically naive or, you know, not having a, a solid plan. So how does Cooper balance it between going for it a bit more and being a bit more competitive, but also taking into account that you're actually up against some really good teams here? Yeah, and another thing is that he hasn't got the personnel to go for it. If you haven't got any attacking players, well, what do you do? Like, tell Warrow to play up front and go for it that way when he hasn't got that attacking instinct up front. It's, it's like, you got to like look at the bigger picture here. And yeah, like I says, when we did try and go for it last season at places, we got absolutely beaten up, didn't we? And yeah, like going to places like Man City and, and Arsenal where we've tried to like play expansive football and they just picked us off. So... Um, and like I says, we didn't have the personnel to do it yesterday. So you can't go for it if you've got no real attacking threat after Langer and Gibbs White. So yeah, you got to look at, have a bit of perspective and think. Well, it it is what it is. And like I says, he's had his hands tied yesterday when he's yeah he he's gone to Liverpool without a striker. And you say to any team, go for it, but you haven't got a striker. It's not going to do it. You're going to like shut up shop, aren't you? And trying to do something on the break, which we tried to do yesterday, but those two goals ultimately killed us. And talking of strikers, the the changes that Steve Cooper made on 70 minutes included Awani coming on for uh, Willie Bolly. And yes, I think Tywo, he wasn't, he was never going to start this game, but it was good to see him come on for the last 20 minutes and Combined with the other substitutions at this point, Yates for Dominguez and Toffolo for Ina, Forrest did look a bit more competitive. And certainly just having Tywo on the pitch made such a difference because Alanga suddenly looked a bit sharper and, and a bit more in the game when he moved out to the left-hand side. And just having that presence of somebody like Tywo through the middle definitely made a difference to the way that Forrest, the shape that they had and, and the, the way that they could challenge Liverpool if you like and, and cause problems for them yeah and that's what people have been saying in the last couple of weeks so if we had Tyro on the pitch etc etc we could have got something against Palace or we could have like got something against Brentford or uh, well like a win against Brentford or um, or last week against Luton so it's nice to have him back and yeah it just makes a difference having that focal point in the attacking third because we tried it last season didn't we with Johnson, Gibbs White and Lingard and ultimately that didn't happen in terms of laying a glove on teams when we tried playing without a striker. So yeah, having that focal point and obviously uh, Tyro's that type of player who can like play players in because of his physique and everything. So hopefully can get another week's um, worth of training in and hopefully can start the uh, game and hopefully give us 60 minutes next week 
and that might be the boost what we needed because obviously we have I know Chris Wood scored two against Luton last week but yeah without having a striker we do look a worse side for it and look very toothless yeah and I think it going into a game against Villa without a, a recognised striker again I'd be worried about what the outcome might be let's talk then about the third goal and this one came on 77 minutes uh, one to forget for Matt Turner and to a degree Harry, Harry Toffolo as well a long throw from Forrest actually started it that was cleared uh, by Sir Bosley upfield it was more of a just it looked like a bit of a hoof really just a lofted volleyed ball up the pitch in the di- rough direction of Mohamed Salah and Harry Toffolo is underneath it, but Matt Turner comes racing out of his goal. I think he gives Toffolo a shout, so Toffolo leaves it, but then Turner lets the ball bounce and doesn't deal with it himself, and the ball drops to Mo Salah, and he's got the simple task of rolling it into an empty net. Not a good moment for Turner, and yeah, not not a very good goal to concede either. A bit of an embarrassing one for everyone concerned. <laughs> It's an absolute calamity. It's Keystone Cops, as Skizen said. I mean, it's just like a hopeful ball upfield and hopefully Salah's in or around it. And inside Anfield just there, I didn't think Turner was that far out. But then you watch it on Match of the Day and you're thinking, why you come that far out? If there's a defender there, stand on the end, on the edge of your uh, penalty area. If Toffolo misses it and Salah's onto it, you're the last line of defence, you might be able to like close him down. And if it goes in, that's just like, finishing what we know Salah can do. But it's an absolute bloody gift, isn't it? It's just, mm. it's like they were having, <laughs> they're having a chat on the halfway uh, line. It's like, or, and it comes over and it's like, they've panicked. And yeah, Turner's just got in an absolute mess. Toffolo's like, thinking, he's going to sort it out. Then he, he misses it. And, Toff can't do anything with it and yeah Salah's not going to miss that but it's I don't want well I'm going to say it I think Matt Turner's um, sealed his uh, place on the um, bench I think I think Flakademos I I think it's we've been saying it for weeks hasn't we when he he got rather fortunate against Brentford when he he could have given away a penalty because like I said that's on Wissa that's a penalty all day long when he got into a bit of a mess and uh, managed to get the ball away, but obviously ultimately fouled uh, Wilson. And he, he, like I said, it could have been, it might have been a sending off, but the matter of like with the penalty, it's sufficient punishment. But we've been saying he's like one mistake away from being um, dropped. And I think this is going to seal it really. But when you've got, let's be honest, we haven't got like a Jordan Smith or a standing keeper who's happy to be on the bench. We've got a goalkeeper who's given up Champions League football at Benfica who's obviously one of the top two clubs in um, Portugal Greek international he's not going to be happy sat on the bench uh, as he so yeah I think Matt Turner I think he's sealed his fate uh, really and I think it's it's been a sense of inevitability I I don't think his performances have been like really assured have they so yeah, I'd be very shocked. Uh, well, that might be too strong of a word, but yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if 
Turner does start against Villa on Sunday. And I think, yeah, Vlacadimas will make his debut because he looked good in the international break, didn't he, for Greece? I think he saved a penalty and everything. So. Yeah, against Holland, yeah. It does yeah. feel like the right time to bring Vlacadimas in. I think after Brentford would have been a bit harsh on Turner, given the, the yeah. fact that he'd been solid up to that point but I wouldn't say yeah. anything remarkable you know um, yeah it's been solid without being spectacular really hasn't yeah, he and yeah. uh, I mean it's been he's been all right let's say he's he's done his job to a certain degree but yeah it's just these odd rickets I don't think he's done any favours and and let's see what Blackademos is like if he does get the debut on Sunday but yeah the, the less said about the, uh, the third goal the better but we all know it was a uh, an absolute car crash wasn't it and yeah it's uh, I think um, if any blooper DVDs come out over Christmas I think that'd be uh, the first one on it because it's awful so Forrest made a couple more changes with seven minutes to go Andre Santos came on for Oral Mangala so I'm sure Fabrizio Romano was happy with that one and and, the, Nico... and, all, the che- and all the Chelsea fans who uh, don't live in England <laughs> yeah and them too yeah yeah and Nico Williams came on for Morgan Gibbs-White as well. Now, a little bit of a flurry from Forrest towards the end of the game. Uh, Anthony Alanga hitting the crossbar with a volley at the back post. Very Raddy Maeski-like against West Brom. The the technique and the yeah. way he struck it was so similar. Um, it was good play between Aurier and Yates down the right-hand side. Yates puts the, the ball in and... Alanga takes it left-footed first time and it crashes off the crossbar and away to safety. And and that was really it as far as Forrest were concerned in the game. And Liverpool didn't do a great deal after that. And it was a, a 3-0 finish in the end. And yes, a, another disappointing away defeat for Forrest. And we've talked about yeah how they've they really struggled to lay a glove on Liverpool during this game. A few little promising moments and a few moments to forget as well. So I think for us, it's on to Aston Villa next weekend. Let's now hear the opposition view on the game and it's over to Neil from the Anfield Wrap. So Liverpool comfortable uh, against Nottingham Forest, Rich and everyone on the podcast there. It was straightforward uh, for Liverpool, thought it from the outset, but we'll do that to a lot of sides this season. I think Liverpool look very, very impressive indeed. A number of good performances, McAllister, Sobbers lie uh, in midfield, running the show for us. I think I think the manager, the Nottingham Forest manager, is slightly undermined by virtue of the fact that he can't pick a focal point attacker. Uh, Ian Ewe, I thought when he came on, you could see why he hadn't started. He looked like he was struggling uh, with the pace of it all a little bit. And, you know, we saw how dangerous he could be last season. I like Wood as a player as well, and he's not in the squad even. So I think that if he'd have had a focal point, it could have been a little bit different. As it was, the 5 3 2 sort of collapsed in on itself a little bit as the game wore on, I thought, from a Forest point of view. And then it was difficult to, therefore, just get any relief for the defenders. Uh, a lot of those defenders, I thought Murillo played well, uh, I thought Dominguez played well as well. while he was on, um, gets a yellow card but I think it's a very professional yellow card sort of foul in there and he could see it coming, um, I think that, I always think Gibbs White looks like a player at every opportunity but not having a way to build any sort of consistent pressure on Liverpool made it easy therefore for Liverpool to step up and step up and step up, I think that over the course of the campaign from a Forest point of view, you may well look back 
uh, on this as this is sort of what Liverpool have done. I think we've been underrated in the mainstream sort of media so far. And I think that also we've got a number of players who are coming to the party in a big way. I thought Van Dijk was excellent again, which puts it back-to-back home games against Everton Forest, where I thought he was one of the best three Liverpool players on the pitch uh, in there. I mentioned McAllister as well, and that's probably his best game for Liverpool so far in that holding role. I uh, thought he did very, very well indeed. And then up front, we've just got so many uh, good attacking talents. Gakpo gets the clear goal disallowed. I couldn't believe the line. I didn't put his flag up. Um, and I thought the Nottingham Forest players' response was really, really funny uh, to the ridiculousness of it all. Uh, but I also uh, in there thought that, you know, you get to see Salah obviously scores, the one where the goalkeeper gets into a mix-up. Uh, but Nunez and Jota also score. And I've always said, you know, if you've got the best goalkeeper, which I think we do have, and you've also got the best attackers, which I think we have, you're always in with a shout. And I think early in the season, we were, we were underrated uh, in terms of what we could or couldn't be capable of by a lot of people who are... Uh, in the mainstream of talking about football in this country. But we'll see, you know, they could be right and I could be wrong in the long run. But as it is, I think that Liverpool looked good. Uh, I'm full of beans about what we can do this season. But what, as far as Nottingham Forest are concerned, I think you're in absolutely no danger of ending up in a relegation battle, in absolutely no danger of, you know, ending up sort of dragged into something. And I think that the ambition should be to finish as high of the table as possible. 11th or 12th feels plausible. Maybe pin yourselves against Wolves and see if you can finish ahead of Wolves. Be the best of the rest and go from there. For the 23-24 season, 1865 The Nottingham Forest Podcast is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Forest fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. They have just launched the Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. They've already given away Champions League final tickets and signed shirts, so you don't want to miss out. Drop them a follow on Instagram and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be supporting us here at 1865. The 1865 Match Report. Thanks, Neil, for the opposition view there. Now, this result leaves Forest 16th in the table. They are five points clear of the relegation zone and three points away from Brentford in 10th place. There's been some, I think, discontent on social media. Some people, a a minority, I would say, starting to be very critical of Steve Cooper, but there's plenty of fans still fully Cooper in and fully on side with the manager. And I do think there's a bit of a hangover from the disappointment of the Luton game and the way that Forrest threw that one away. And I think that's still having an effect on on the mood for some fans because I think you can't judge a manager on a, on a game away at Liverpool when he's got key injuries and no striker to choose from. Yeah, I think that's a... An, quite an unfair criticism and a, a difficult task for any manager in that situation. So let's move on and look towards next weekend and Aston Villa at home. Now, Villa are absolutely flying at the moment. They are fifth in the table and looking good under Unai Emery again this season. But Tom, Forest at home, we've not lost at home this season. The city ground has remained a fortress, even though there's been a few 
perhaps underwhelming results so far against the promoted teams, but you've got a big side with respect coming to the city ground this weekend. Aston Villa, what are you expecting from Forest? A, a reaction and perhaps a, a good performance off the back of what's happened? Yeah, I think we're going to get a reaction. It's the first time we've got some a side with significant history, significant backing, and the pretty local as well from the West Midlands. Um, I think the atmosphere is going to be a lot better on Sunday. Um, if Tyro's if Tyro starts, the belief cranks up, doesn't it? Because yeah. you think we've got a striker, we've got somebody who knows um, where the net is, etc. So, uh, yeah, and the same thing happened last year, didn't it, against uh, Villa? Um, I know, albeit it was against a poor uh, Villa side with uh, Slippy G. <laughs> at the wheel kind of thing and he didn't last much longer after a 1-1 um, draw at the city ground after Emmanuel Dennis scored so yeah I, I just think it might be a turning point in I'm not sure do they play in Europe this week or I know they played in Europe last week they played Eichmar didn't they so yeah they're, they're not playing in Europe again until after the Forest game so no they've not got a game this week uh, now yeah, because I thought they might have played because obviously it's been moved to the Sunday. But yeah, I'm expecting a, re- a reaction from Forrest. I mean, it's been a bit of like a dull couple of weeks in terms of results and performances, etc. So um, yeah, if Tyro's playing and and obviously um, and, and with a raucous city ground, hopefully, I think um, yeah, we'll, we'll get a positive result. I'm not saying it's going to be easy by any stretch, but yeah, I think everybody will be looking for a reaction. And we've got a full week, haven't we? Um, there's no midweek game. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and we'll go again. But uh, I think after the Luton game, Steve Cooper admitted his mistakes and everything. And I think he knows he messed up uh, kind of thing. Then secondly, um yeah, if we get a, a one starting and, and get him like through training this week, I think the belief will be uh, hopefully return and we can have a much better result. Yeah, it's there'll be a few decisions for Cooper to make as well in this game, whether to start a one year and see how he's feeling after another week of recovery and training. And also the goalkeeper situation now and the calls for Vlakadimos to come in and we're both, I think kind of on the side of seeing that happen now and, and Matt Turner dropping out. So that'll be a, a big call for Steve Cooper to make, but perhaps not so much of a difficult one as it might have been a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, it, it it feels like the right time for that one, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like had a bit of faith in Matt Turner after what happened at Brentford, etc. And yeah, I think... Yeah, what happened yesterday, I think that will like ultimately be proven right that um yeah, of like a deal bus will come in because obviously it's on the back. I mean, it's not nice for anybody to make a mistake, um, etc. And it's not nice to lose your place because of a high profile mistake, but I think it'd be justified, uh, to be honest, uh, by um, Steve Cooper to include Vlakadimus in because um, yeah, it's just I think it's just been a sense of inevitability in the last couple of weeks with Matt Turner, I mean, he's been a, when he comes across on camera or whatever, he does come across as a decent person, etc. But yeah, I just think just take him out of the firing line and just, and then put Black Demos in and see how he, but I think, to be honest, I think Matt Turner will be naive to think 
he's going to be harshly done by if Lockerbie Moss does start. So, so yeah, you can't have any complaints. I mean, if I was in goal yesterday and then I don't play in the next game because of that high profile mistake, I'll be like, yeah, I haven't got anything answers, and just like strive to do better in training and wait for your opportunity and make sure you grasp it with both hands. Pardon the pun if you're a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, it it's a decision that Cooper will have to make as, as well as many others, but I'm sure Cooper as well will be keen to to get the players on the training ground this week and preparing for Villa and, and putting the last couple of games behind them. So yes, Forrest back at home this weekend with a, a big match to come and I'm sure come su- Sunday afternoon we'll all be looking forward to it and the atmosphere at the city ground will be a little bit more familiar and, and what we've become used to in the Premier League. So we'll leave the match report there. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to Neil from the Anfield Wrap for providing us with an opposition view on the game. We will be back with you with our match report after the Villa game. So until then, thank you for listening and see you next time. Podcast Network.